Welcome to the Path 11 podcast. With your hosts, April and Mike, we have a very different show today. We happen to stumble upon a really great web series on lucid dreaming, and we are speaking to two of the three co-founders of Finite Films, who we have with us today is Alex Caleros and Ryan McDuffie, who couldn't be with us, and Michael Tucker joined us as well today. Yeah, this is kind of like a bonus episode. It's not our typical episode where we talk to an expert in out-of-body experiences or channeling or you know reiki it, this is two filmmakers that uh, they put together this short film called anamnesis and actually the short film is actually a 20-minute prologue to a five episode web series on lucid dreaming and we thought it'd be interesting to bring them uh, to the podcast so they can talk about you know, the films and how they came across lucid dreaming. And and uh, we want to try and help them get exposure to possibly bringing in a uh, either another film or a season two, maybe season three, if we're lucky. Uh, because the series is well done and we, we wanted to give them credit, you know, for doing a really good job with the series. And we highly recommend that you stop the podcast right now and click the link in the show notes and watch the short film and the web series. It's only five, five episodes. Each one's about 10 to 12 minutes. And the, the prologue film is about 20 some minutes. It's not a long time, but I, I highly suggest you watch it first. Cause we do talk about some spoilers and it, it probably is good to watch it before we talk about it. Great. So we'd like to tell you a little bit more about Alex Caleros. Alex grew up in far too sunny Chandler, Arizona. Upon seeing Jurassic Park in first grade, his obsession with dinosaurs promptly transformed into a passion for filmmaking. As a writer, director, and editor, Alex loves to create and explore new worlds in his films, whether it be the anxiety-ridden perspective of a socially inept teacher, the lush dreams of a dying man, or a lone cabin in a post-apocalyptic future. We also have with us Michael Tucker, and he is a native of the Bay Area and has been making films since a very young age. He is an accomplished writer, editor, motion graphics artist, and director. He has an affinity for dark, Fincher-esque styles of filmmaking, as well as optimistic, light-hearted, romantic comedies. His passion for filmmaking has only grown since the founding of Finite Films and has his appreciation for the hard work and cooperation necessary to make a project truly special. If you'd like to know more about their films, please visit finite-films.com. All right. Welcome, Alex Caleros and Michael Tucker to the show. Thanks. Hi. <laughs> uh, we, we just want to say, you know, that was such a, a great film, the prologue uh, to Anamnesis and the uh, five episodes that you've posted so far. Uh, it's just the quality is absolutely amazing. The story, the, the yeah, the intertwining stories, the acting, um, the, just the the whole production quality in general is just amazing. So we wanted to know where you got the idea for us doing a film about lucid dreaming. Um, so the kind of background for us and our company, Finite Films, um, you know, Myself, Michael, and then our friend uh, Ryan McDuffie, we all went to uh, film school together at uh, UC Santa Cruz here in Northern California. And um, we uh, we really liked working together in college. And so when we all moved down to L.A. eventually, uh, we 
wanted to get together and just kind of keep making films together. Um, so we, we set up finite films and we did this year of just making a short film every month. Um, and during that year, uh, one of the films was Anamnesis, the, which kind of became what we call now the short film prologue. Um, so that, that's kind of where the short film came from was from this year in 2012 when we did all that. And, um, I mean, for me, uh, that, that film really was inspired a lot by just some of my favorite movies, uh, Inception and The Fountain, um, and just Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is, not, is another one. And I, I think I had always wanted to make a film that could take place in the dream world. And, uh, I kind of realized that I hadn't really seen a film about kind of the moment before you die, uh, in a, in a kind of a creative way where throughout a short film, maybe you could show from a first person perspective, what it would be like to watch your life flash before your eyes, but it's kind of do it in a, in a fun inception -y way. So that's really where the, where the short film came from. And, and at that point, I mean, I definitely was aware of lucid dreaming and, you know, I think probably like kind of some of the dream stuff in the short film reflected lucid dreaming experiences I'd heard about, but we really kind of, uh, got excited about lucid dreaming when we moved on to the series and we're thinking, you know, what could be a great ongoing mystery? And it would, and we thought lucid dreaming is a great, uh, kind of phenomenon that we hadn't really seen explored very much in, in film or TV before. Yeah. I, I think you, like inception, like you said, was probably the only somewhat film about, you know, shared dreaming mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, I mean, you guys portrayed it perfectly, at least from what I, you know, my experiences and from what I've heard. Now, did you have a consultant on set that kind of help out with certain situations? Because you have the one character who's, uh, and I'm, I'm talking more about the uh, the five episodes. He, he has the A on his hand. I can't remember the character's name. Son. Yes, and he, he can kind of, he's consciously doing it. He's, you know, kind of initiates all the, lucid dreams everybody else is kind of just a, a bystander yeah well going into making the series once we sort of realized that lucid dreaming was going to be kind of what it all uh, focused on and centered around we did some research ourselves uh, on lucid dreaming and then alex has a really good friend named gary ruiz who uh, had been a lucid dreamer and had practiced a lot so Alex talked to him and got some of his firsthand experiences and learned a lot that way. Um, but was also <clears throat> what was also really great was when we did the Kickstarter campaign to raise the money for the web series, Daniel Love, who's uh, sort of a lucid dreaming expert and wrote the book, Are You Dreaming? Um, he re found us, reached out to us, and said, I'm excited about the project. If you guys ever need... A consultant needs someone to look at the scripts. Um, let me know, and so we took him up on that, and he sent us free copies of his book, and we looked at that, and he looked at all the scripts, read the episodes, and had suggestions of like this works, this doesn't ring quite true, like maybe you could try this or like play around with that. Um, so yeah, so we definitely got to spend a lot of time in the pre-production phase uh, researching, and then yeah, having Daniel of be a consultant to make sure we portrayed it as accurately as possible. Would you like to give a brief description of what the series actually is? <clears throat> yes, yeah, so I think probably the, the uh, 
shortest way to describe the series would be it's about a group of strangers who kind of find their lives starting to collide in the dream world. Um, and, and so that's kind of the mystery that is introduced in these first five episodes is uh, what's going on here. What's the connection these people have? Um, and most of them aren't lucid, so they're not really aware of what's happening. But one character, Sean, is able to be lucid. So he's kind of starting to piece together. I'm somehow connected with these people, and they're not just figments of my imagination. They're actually human beings in my waking life as well. And before we got on the call in, in our introduction to you, uh, we told our audience that there probably will be spoilers on this, so we want them to watch it before they listen to the interview part of the show. Cool. But, um, it was a very spoilery description, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, I can say another one if there's. It was better to do a, a really simple, uh, not spoilery one. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess. So, I guess. Yeah. The the other kind of shorter synopsis that's not spoilery would be. Um, a woman named Hannah uh, has a dream about her uh, boyfriend's death on the same night he's murdered, um, which kind of sends her on this journey of trying to figure out uh, what's going on in the dream world and how she's able to know things about other people uh, when she wasn't there. So I don't know. Maybe we struggle with this actually because there's so many <laughs> different characters and like and like what's the uh, the best way to to pitch it briefly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how would you how would you say it, Michael? Sorry, sorry, guys. <laughs> um, yeah. So, Anamnesis is about uh, a group of characters. One of the characters is a woman named Hannah who has a vision of her boyfriend's death on the same night that he's murdered. Uh, there's a character named Sean who is a lucid dreamer and he's sort of bored of his waking life and just can't wait to get home from work and escape into his lucid dreams where he feels like he can really be himself. Uh, and then <clears throat> there's also a character named Noah, who's this kind of struggling composer who is starting to feel like he's losing grasp on reality. And Anamnesis is about how all these three characters, different stories come to intertwine in the world of lucid dreaming. Yeah, that's, yeah, they're pretty good descriptions. That's better. <laughs> now, I, you brought up Noah. That was a uh, an interesting story because he, here's another spoiler. He's like in a coma or on his deathbed almost, right? Is that? He, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Michael's, your, one of your friends, Steve, kind of gave you the idea, right? Of, of like mm -hmm. somebody who, you know, what if there was somebody who was kind of trapped in the dream world in some kind of a comatose state and was there so long um, they kind of lost track of what was real or it kind of had a whole like separate life in the dream world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I had a friend who uh, I forget what happened to him, but he, he passed out for a while. Um, and <clears throat> when he woke up, he said he remembered like spending what felt like a year in this whole other place with characters and people that he like made friends with and like fell in love with and all the stuff that had happened and just like a matter of minutes. But for him, it felt like this whole period of time. And so that was sort of the inspiration for Noah is like, what if, you know, if you're in a coma and you can still dream your, your mind is still working. So what would it be like if you 
felt like your whole life uh, was one way, but then as you started to be pulled from this coma or wake up, the cracks in the facade of your life started to break through. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting with the like the clock when you looked at the clock and it was always jittering and and uh, the, the thing with his uh, girlfriend or wife, um, it just she just fell off. <laughs> <in the whole. laughs> yeah, and it was that it was very unique how you were able to portray that, and I and and I, I I'm kind of switching gears a little bit and talking about the some of the production of it. The uh, I really liked in the prologue uh, the Adam character. And I was kind of disappointed that he wasn't in the uh, <laughs> the series because he he did it so well. The I know us too. It, it it's kind of frustrating that he dies. <laughs> <'Cause>, yeah, <laughs> you know when we made the short film, we didn't have any intention of making a series based off of it. Um, but then a, a producer, Jeremy Norris, uh, approached us like a year later, um, saying he loved the short and wanted to kind of co-produce a series based off of it. And it was like, well. Damn it! <laughs> we killed off. You know, Dan Beckner is one of our favorite actors to work with. The guy who played Adam. Um, so, but if we make more episodes, uh, you know, one thing we we have in mind is that uh, more and more of the characters will hopefully start to become more lucid in their dreams. And Hannah, who was uh, Adam's girlfriend, uh, we would imagine would want to uh, kind of visit him in the dream world somehow. Okay. Um, so. He may return <laughs> yeah. if we're able to make more. <laughs> and I thought Hannah, the actress, she was amazing because she was actually playing two different characters between the uh, short film where she's in his dream, but then in the in the series when she's in the waking life, she's you know she's got to you know be depressed and all that. I just thought you know, she did it so well. Your choice of casting was brilliant. I do have a question though about. I don't know if you have season two written totally yet, but the mm-hmm. the third person in the uh, copy sh- uh, shop. <laughs> I don't know if you can spoil any of that or if you want to. <laughs> I don't think we can either. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. want. Yeah, we, we do. We do have. Uh, we do have reasons for everything, and uh, and everything that's kind of planted in these first five episodes actually does have uh, a plan in place. So okay. we, we we try not to do the thing where we write ourselves into a total corner and have no answers for people because we hate that when a show does that yeah yeah that yeah i, I know what you mean it, it, <laughs> i didn't know how far in advance when writing the the series how far in advance you went yeah we i mean we basically our first step was like you know because we're 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 big fans of lost uh and yes. yep. we loved going on the journey of lost and it was kind of uh, frustrating at the end when it felt like, well, they didn't really know what they were doing this whole time. There wasn't really this grand scheme plan. Uh, so when we started writing Anamnesis, we wanted to, as much as we could, have a like big picture plan of where we wanted it to end, what we want to happen to the characters, and all of those changes and iterations in, in mind. So we spent a lot of time figuring out that and world and like the greater story and getting excited about like what the future seasons would be like so then we could uh go back and write this season one knowing where we wanted to go ahead of time so we tried to to do that as much as possible obviously things change as you actually make the show but we definitely have a plan in mind of where we want to go 
I was just curious to know, uh, did you guys film it in LA where you guys we, are from? We filmed in a few locations. Um, <clears throat> honestly, a lot of it was just budgetary because filming in LA is really expensive. Um, people here know that, uh, you can charge an arm and a leg to rent a location to a film production because Hollywood films here. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. so we had to find a lot of locations, um, just via friends and family. And, uh, so based on that, we kind of moved the production where we, wherever we had to. So we filmed in places like, um, Santa Barbara, cause our producer lived there. He had some, he knew about some good outdoor locations we could film at. We got permits for, um, we filmed at our friend's beach house or our friend's family's beach house in Oceanside, which is kind of towards San Diego. Um, that's where all the Noah scenes take place. And, um, we even filmed up in Northern California cause we could not find a single diner in LA that could give us an affordable rate to film in. So for all those diner <laughs> scenes, we had to drive all the way up to Northern California for that. <laughs> it was actually cheaper to drive the whole cast and crew and fly one of the cast members to Northern California than to just film in a diner in LA. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. So they made for a fun road trip, but yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it was a really locations are the hardest when you're trying to do a low, a really low budget, a series like this because it's very very expensive yeah and the the characters that you did cast are they personal friends of yours or people that actually auditioned out for the parts um it was like half and half like yeah. um a lot of them if you watch our other short films on our website you'll see a lot of them pop up in other films um so yeah i mean we we knew uh you know mallory uh who played hannah uh we knew zach who played sean uh brian monahan who plays uh the psychiatrist dr spaulding we we'd already met them through other productions and we're already friends with them and then we we cast a uh, brad wilcox who plays noah uh and the you know, detective sterling nathan graham smith and and a creepy wife, <laughs> Kincaid Walker. Uh, all them, all them. They actually came in and auditioned. So it was, it was kind of half and half. Yeah. Okay. So you got season one done. Now you're looking to get uh, funds and distribution, so you can get season two going. I know we kind of talked a little bit about this through email, setting up this podcast. But you want to talk a little bit more about you know what you're looking to to get for uh, to start season two. Yeah, I mean, so for this first season, it was really a labor of love. And, it, you know, honestly, a lot of the cast and crew didn't get even paid. It was really just all our budget went towards locations and food to feed people and, you know, gas money for driving places. So it was kind of an unsustainable model. <laughs> it was it was kind of a one-off where we kind of asked everybody to do it as a favor and hopefully we could have an actual budget in the future. Um, so now that we have put it out there, we've seen a response in the lucid dreaming community. People want more. Um, we'd love to make more, but we do need to find a way to have uh, a more serious budget for future episodes. We can actually pay everybody um, for all the time and work they're going to put in. So our ideal scenario would be if we could find some kind of distributor um, who is interested in a kind of a sci-fi drama series in this online format um, that would want to pick up the show for a season two um, and, you know, at least partially fund it. Um, we, we do have a lot of fans that could maybe help kickstart it, but for the kind of budget we'd need, we, we really, it would really help to have a distributor. Cause really like at the production value that we did the web series at and that we would want to do the next season at, like it's essentially a, a, feature film like it's the, all the episodes together about 70 75 minutes um and so yeah it's 
it's weird being in the space of you know web series where most web series are sort of you know cheap you know youtube just the first things you think of when someone says web series but we wanted to make it like legitimate like a show and really go all out with production value but to do that and raise a budget budget for that would definitely be more expensive yeah we kind of found ourselves uh you know by accident in this weird uh, limbo of like we want to make it like it's a real tv show um but we've always operated in this online web space and we like you know, being online and having our fans online. So there's just kind of not, there's not really a model, a financial model yet that we've seen for high production value web series. I think it's, it's like a missing link in the kind of different markets, but we're hoping that that's changing (laughs) because, uh, you know, people like Vimeo and Hulu and stuff, they're kind of, they're these online platforms where people are open to watching something that's not a half hour, hour long show. You know, people online don't care how long something is really because, it's all just online video. And yeah, I was, I was going to ask you about that. Uh, the season two, would the episodes be longer uh, or you're going to keep them about the same, same length? I mean, it really depends on, you know, who, if we found a distributor, kind of what their format was. I mean, if they, if they wanted us to make, you know, several half hour shows or even hour long shows and they had the budget for that, um, I think we're open to expanding the show into different directions. But if we, if, you know, if we kind of did the minimal amount that, you know, to keep it low budget and to keep it something that we could definitely accomplish, uh, we were thinking that we'd want to make two more six episode series, um, in the same, kind of the same, um, time format as now where it's like, you know, 10 to 15 minutes per episode. Um, but that would be essentially uh, making two feature films because it'd be two kind of 90 minute blocks of content. Yeah, I know what you mean. I was just thinking that uh, I, I had suggested in that email that Guy MTV might be a good fit for the lucid dreaming uh, community, but you, you're the writing and the you know the characters and the stories are so likable and so easy to follow in a way that I, I think you might actually be, potentially be able to get a uh, some sort of deal probably through Netflix or Hulu. And they, because everybody's looking for original content these days, and I don't know, I, I think you might be able to do pretty well with them. <laughs> yeah, it's basically just trying to get it, get it in front of somebody at those places, and um, and then also just yeah, are they okay with the current format? And if not, then is there a solution to that? <laughs> yeah, since we're in the fifteen minute kind of range, we do have um a cut of the web series that that we kind of trimmed down and combined into one hour-long episode um so we do have the ability if you know if anybody knows anybody from netflix <laughs> or these kind of other more traditional formats that are looking for like an hour-long show we do have a version of the first five episodes kind of combined to an hour-long pilot um so we can pitch it that way it just wasn't you know written or designed to be that but it could be okay. in the future yeah we were really interested in telling more of a almost like a long form movie story mm-hmm. um, that had a beginning, middle and end that we already had in mind. And so it's, I think it, it, it kind of would fit better in like a, a more forward thinking, uh, maybe new premium online network, like a Netflix or a Hulu or those kind of places where, where it's kind of acceptable to not just do a, the standard repeatable TV show. Right. Yeah. 
Do you, um, do you guys have any maybe um, interesting behind-the-scenes stories of making this series? I know that uh, before we got online here, you guys had talked about that you had some personal experiences of lucid dreaming, but I was curious to know, uh, did any of the cast members who maybe had no clue about lucid dreaming or ever delved into that, did they have any during the making of the series? Yeah, um, yeah. We, when preparing for the shooting the series and pre-production, uh, we were talking with Zach, who plays Sean, who's you know the lucid dreaming expert, and he really wanted to research lucid dreaming and know as much as he could about it, so that when he has to teach people about it and show it feels real and authentic. So uh, yeah, he read books about lucid dreaming and would like listen to YouTube guided, uh, you know, falling asleep. Uh, audio tracks um, and he would actually he's, for a while he actually wrote the A on his hand every day as the like you know dream reminder symbol um, and he I know he had a couple like lucid dreams the one that like I remember the most had something to do with he became lucid and then Whoopi Goldberg was his dream guide and guided him through a bunch of funny situations um, <laughs> So yeah, he he was one of the cast members that did start to have lucid dreaming experiences just from making the show. Like would be Goldberg would be the best dream that like would be spirit guide. So much fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think if you brought Whoopi Goldberg into season two, it'd probably be jumping the shark a little. <laughs> Even though it's about lucid dreaming, but yeah, we we kind of kept it pretty serious. Lucid dreaming, we're, we're kind of keeping it non-goofy, um, just just to kind of keep the mood of the show. Because uh, you know, with dreams, you can go crazy and make it real goofy, but I think the tone that we're going for is a little more mysterious, dark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even the, I mean, both of us had lucid dreaming experiences uh, during the making of, um, I know you had a really vivid one. Yeah, I, I had one that I always tell people about, because it really, it really struck me as like, okay, I get it now. This is why lucid dreaming can be freaking amazing. Um, is it, it was kind of an accidental wake-induced lucid dream, where I, I kind of woke up way too early one morning, um, was trying to go back to sleep. And as I felt myself falling back asleep, I, you know, I had been aware of lucid dreaming techniques at that point. And I was like, okay, try to remain conscious as you fall into this sleep state. And it worked. And um, it was just really kind of nuts because I actually felt the transition between my waking and dreaming state and felt in an instant my body like fly off my bed, like kind of launch off. Um, which I'd never experienced something like that before. Um, my, you know, my body was still kind of frozen in its like sleep position, but I actually felt like I was in my room launching off my bed and kind of just traveling away from my room. Um, and I found myself like over my childhood backyard in Arizona, uh, and floating over like swimming pool. And I kind of dove into the swimming pool and I could breathe underwater. And I, when I looked up at the surface, it was like raining and there were like infinite, you know, raindrops on the surface of the water and there was a dust storm and it was just so vivid. It was, I'd never seen kind of colors and texture like that. Um, in my waking life, it was, it was like more vivid than reality. So I got so excited at that point that I woke up, of course, (laughs) but I, but I, that really struck me and I, I, I would love to try to somehow portray something like that in a future episode of the series. Just it maybe, you know, I've I've thought a lot about uh, the character of Hannah and, just how she she's kind of just becoming lucid by the end of 
episode five. I mean, she's kind of just, just kind of starting to remember her dreams. But but I think if she's going to be a fun character if we make a season two because she'll be learning how to lucid dream and we'll kind of be with her if she has her first aha experience like that. So that could be fun to try to portray. I, I know what you mean about the uh, having a lucid dream and kind of flying off the bed kind of thing. That's kind of how mine were. And uh, it's a weird, weird sensation. And, it was uh, it was very startling. I was like, "This is nuts!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize it was going to be that intense. Ugh. With mine, uh, and this was only a couple of weeks ago. I uh, I had the similar situation where I wake up early and then go back to sleep. And sometimes I do it to trigger the lucid dream because that's <clears> one <throat> of the popular techniques to do. And mine was kind of usually it's like I, I'm kind of like rotating over the bed like a rotisserie. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I'm trying to fight it. I'm like, no, I'm too tired. I, I really got to sleep. And then this other time, the bed just kind of dropped out from under me, kind of like a, a pinball paddle. And I, it just it just fell through. And then I dropped into a scene and interacted in, in the scene. It was it was very weird. But I don't usually get the, uh, the transition. It's kind of I'm falling asleep in bed and all of a sudden I black out and then I reawake. And I'm in that state, but uh, it can be startling if you're not <laughs> aware of what's going on, though. Yeah. And uh, do you have a timetable of when you would like to see season two get going, or you're just kind of holding out for uh, you know working on deals and distribution? I mean, yeah, because we're, we're kind of in this place where we really can't commit to season two unless we have uh, you know the kind of financial support we need. So we don't want to say anything, you know promise anything that we can't deliver on um you know and one thing that we want to do too is try to make sure that whatever if we make a, any kind of distribution deal for the series um you know if, if we're going to have to move season one off youtube in any way as part of the deal we want to guarantee that if we're going to have to take it off youtube it'll be hosted in a place where all of our fans can still access it um but also that we part of that deal would be getting a guaranteed season two like from it Mm -hmm. um because you know we're not really interested in just taking the five episodes we have and monetizing them as much as we want to just make more and have those be monetized so we're we're still trying to figure out who where is the best platform to kind of meet our needs and give us the kind of deal we're looking for um and that's just been elusive so far but we're keeping our eyes and ears open ongoing process yeah 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 and that's actually how we found you through one of your fans. Um, Jeff yeah. Finley is his name. He also has a podcast himself, but he ended up following us on Twitter and, you know, just making some comments. And of course he posted something about your series and Hey, the past series, have you guys looked at this? And <laughs> we went ahead and took a look at it and, you know, Mike got really excited about it and here we are today. That's awesome. Yeah. It's been really, uh, it's yeah, it's been crazy how excited people have been for the series and really want to spread the word and like tell all the friends and blast the social media. Like it's really rewarding as a you know we spent all this time making it, hoping someone will like it, and then to get this kind of response has been just really awesome. So especially from the lucid dreaming community because you know since we're not pro lucid dreamers ourselves that we just kind of researched it mostly secondhand, um, we were worried that we weren't gonna like nail it and people would be like oh you didn't do it right so mm. so that we got it good enough is is great and we want to 
continue to even show more types of lucid dreaming experiences in future episodes mm -hmm. um, and really try to get the whole spectrum in there. And uh, more about the production, you, you had a pretty strict shooting schedule. I, I, you have a production diary, which I watched as well. <laughs> and uh, you, you had so many days that you had to shoot in. And uh, how did post-production go? Was that because you didn't really cover that part? Yeah, we, we failed to have the cameras rolling during that whole <laughs> part. Um, you know, the production was was tricky because it was like a big puzzle of, uh, you know, since we weren't able to pay everybody to be there, uh, we had to work on people's work schedules. There <laughs> were people like a lot of the actors were, you know, working coffee shop jobs or restaurant jobs. Um, so we really had to, like, put together the shoot in a very mishmashy kind of way, spread over, uh, you know, two to three months because it was hard to get all the actors in the room together. Um so that was that was a very uh, tight specific schedule, and then the edit was was more on our own terms, which is nice. Um, so, how how many months would you say we spent editing? Like a month? I think we yeah we wrapped in April. I feel like by the end of June, we had pretty much finished it. Yeah, but so there's kind of first the editing process, which maybe took like a month and a half just to like get to the final cut, the, what we call locked cut of the. Um, show, which was a really interesting process because it was the first time that we'd sort of edited like a narrative length um, project, and it was originally written to be four episodes. But in the edit process, we found that like the episodes, some were too long, the balance wasn't right, and the story flow wasn't working. So we spent a lot of time like moving pieces around and sort of arrived at this five episode. Uh, structure that felt the best. So that was like a fun discovery process during the edit. Okay. And then we spent a lot of time in um, doing sound and uh, color, visual effects, music. It was yeah, it was a pretty extensive post production <laughs> process. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it definitely shows that you know you guys put everything into it. It it was amazing, and uh, yeah, I can't wait for season two. And I don't <laughs> want to pressure it anymore, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I got we, we'd love to do it. So yeah, yeah. Anybody out there has any ideas of where we can get a? Because really, really, all we need is just like a micro budget for a feature film, which is, you know, probably around like ninety to a hundred thousand um, dollars to make like a super indie feature film. Um, but that would be like amazing for us because that would actually cover all of our expenses for you know the ninety minutes of content. Um, so that's the kind of money where like we can maybe raise it on Kickstarter, but I don't know if we have enough fans yet to guarantee that. Yeah. Um, but, but it, I think we would be actually a relatively affordable investment <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for some kind of a distributor if they wanted to jump on board. Yeah. Well, hopefully we could do whatever we can to support you guys too. You know, whenever we see good quality work and, you know, people that are just trying to get good stuff out there, we'd love to help and support people in any way that we can. So hopefully some of our fans will become yours as well. Awesome. Yeah, and yeah, you. I mean, the, I think this shows that um, how much the fans can do because just tweeting out stuff and, you know, connect us to you guys. So, so yeah, just keep putting it out there and who knows, we're hopefully going to finally get this together in the next couple weeks. Um, we want to sell like a, you know, special features, special edition DVD slash digital download of, of the first season of Anamnesis. So people can okay. buy that through our website, hopefully in a couple weeks. Does it matter if, they watch the series first and then the prologue or they we've kind of debated that. Like what's the best order to watch them in? Cause you know, in some ways the short film is pretty different in tone from the web series. Um, you know, the web series is more of like a lost mystery. Whereas the short film is a 
pretty kind of emotional, self-contained story. Um, so really, it just depends on what you're in the mood for first. Okay. <laughs> yeah, tried to make it so it could it could work either way. So yeah, because yeah, I, I, I was send, yeah. sending April the uh, the links to, so she can view it, and uh, I was like, should I send her the film first or the series? <laughs> and I I think I what I send you the film right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. If, then I got thinking about it. Yeah, it probably doesn't really matter. Be a <laughs> twist if you watch it. You know the the film after, but no, it's yeah, definitely it might, it might be kind of more more satisfying in some ways to watch the short film afterwards since the the show is in such a cliffhanger right now. There's like no resolution, so you can kind of have this little extra bonus after you finish the the five episodes and be like, oh, here's a nice little uh, short story that has a conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> can you give us a I don't, maybe not a full blown spoiler, but maybe a teaser for what could possibly happen in season two? <laughs> hmm. I mean, I feel like I feel yeah. like the vague statement I would make is that uh, we we want the show as a whole, as a one big arc, to be really a, a show about uh, being quote unquote asleep to becoming awake or becoming lucid, um, and you can interpret that any way you want. <laughs> okay, yeah. all right, very good. It's <laughs> vague, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And you want to? I, I think I, I I know what you meant uh, in the film and or the uh, series in particular. The use of water. Did you want to? Did you have a special meaning behind that, or is it? It it was just a a background thing because <clears throat> in study, at least my studies of consciousness and other states of awareness uh water can play a big part i didn't know if you had any uh meaning behind it i mean i think i think to be honest there's probably a lot of unconscious i think i think there's something very archetypal about yeah just water you know the ocean waves uh all the kind of water spilling through cracks stuff that happens in the short um so yeah i i i don't know if i can say i had any one deep meaning in mind with that um okay you know, definitely in the short film, you can say more literally, it's kind of his consciousness kind of giving him a symbolic representation of what's actually happening to him, which is he's bleeding out on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. But but in general, I feel like just kind of unconsciously, all the water imagery just felt right for mm-hmm. being in the dream world. And yeah, the ocean always feels very much appropriate in, in that setting. Yeah, I, I took the beach... Uh, in particular, meaning that you know, being on the wet sand, being in the the, the transition between the two worlds, the, the physical dry area and the uh, wet ocean world. Um, I don't know. That was just my view of it. I didn't know if you, <laughs> if that was any you know deeper meaning. But yeah, the uh, and then the short film with the the water on the cracks. You know that that does make sense with the bleeding out. Oh, that, that's great too. I mean, I, I think part of what we wanted to do with the show too is just kind of keep enough stuff vague uh, and just symbolic enough so that you can find meaning in it um, without it all being kind of like, this means this, this means this. Right. So yeah. Do, do that. Yeah. No, I, I, I definitely want to wish you guys luck, you know, in the future on the future episodes and uh, I hope you can get some distribution deal going. Cause I'd, I'd love to see more. Thanks so much guys. Yeah, Thank you. If you'd like more information about our films or to purchase our DVDs, you can head on over to our website at thepastseries.com. They're also available to purchase on amazon.com. 
Our films are also streaming online at Vimeo.com, GuyMTV.com, and iTunes. If you have a show suggestion or would like us to interview someone specifically, please feel free to shoot us an email at info at thepastseries.com or send us a tweet at thepastseries. Please rate and review us in iTunes and subscribe. We hope you enjoyed the show. 